DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Institute for Priestly Formation, presents The Way of Mystery, the Eucharist in Moral Living, with Deacon James Keating. Deacon Keating is the Director of Theological Formation at the Institute for Priestly Formation, located at Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. He's the author of numerous books, including Remain in Me, Holy Orders, Prayer and Ministry, Spousal Prayer, and The Heart of the Diaconate. Deacon Keating has led more than 400 workshops on moral theology and spirituality and regularly conducts retreats and parish missions. The Way of Mystery, the Eucharist and Moral Living with Deacon James Keating. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. It is time for us to take one of the most profound actions, at least I feel, uh, when we actually lift ourselves up and enter into a line coming forward to the altar to receive communion. The getting up from our pew is the sign of faith, the sign of faith that we believe, you know, come forward, almost in a sense of Jesus saying to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth, you know, come mm-hmm. to life now. Come and receive life. I am the life. So we're all getting up to life when we, when we come to Holy Communion. Uh, we are no longer dead in our sins since we confessed our mortal sins. There's nothing deadening about us. We're having the life of Christ take up residence in us at deeper and deeper levels. Life itself is going to be the principle that gets us through death. That's why he has to live in us. Christ has to live in us so that he can get us through death into eternal life. He's the one who takes us there. So that eternal life of Jesus has to live in us. And this is how the eternal life lives in us. We come to communion. And we process up. And a lot of times, again, the distractions of being human and limited and finite, all of this is understandable, but very gently we just have to keep calling ourselves back to what we're doing. Calling ourselves back. You know, even at someone's wedding ceremony, sometimes the bride or the groom can get distracted. You know, a little cousin or something in the front front row is playing and they look down and maybe they forget what they're supposed to say or their vows that they tried to memorize. Or It's human and we're limited, we're finite. We get distracted at great moments in our life. This is a great moment in our life. And even though it happens regularly, that doesn't diminish the greatness of it. And we ought not take it for granted. So when we become aware that we are distracted in the coming forward to receive life, just gently pull yourself back and just say, I am now going to focus or I'm now going to concentrate on receiving the life of God. Just very gently. You could be processing up and you could see your friend and you could wonder how her husband is doing, he's been sick, or you could be you know, seeing someone that you have to struggle with in the community. All of that also could be turned into intercessory prayer. It doesn't always have to descend into curiosity or gossip. Uh, it could be taken up into this receiving of life. Well, there's Helen, and I know her husband is sick. Um, I want to receive that suffering and offer that suffering up. There's the woman or the man I really have a hard time with. I want to pray for him as I receive life. So you can even turn some of the distractions into prayer itself. But very gently recall what you're doing as you're processing up. 
the, um, the actual reception of the Lord, the body of Christ, we should say amen. Sometimes it's so inaudible as a deacon, I, I don't even know if the person believes or not when I give communion out. It's just totally inaudible. Say it out loud. It's a response. It's a response to your desire for salvation. It should be said boldly, clearly. Yes, I want life. Yes, I want to, to be saved. Yes, I want to be taken up into the life of Jesus. We shouldn't be shy about that. Say amen, because you mean it. The, uh, the disposition that we come forward to receive the Lord. Some people put out their hands, you know, very uh, listlessly, or they just grab the Eucharist from the minister. Receive it on your hand. Receive it in a contemplative way, in a way that gives you a moment or two to actually uh, realize who you're receiving. And then to bring it to your mouth and, and let the Lord enter your heart. But don't grab, take, run. You know, we're a fast food culture. This is not fast food. This is an encounter. This is an encounter. In the Archdiocese of Omaha, we are called, before we even are presented the Eucharist, to offer an act of reverence with a bow of our head. or, And I've seen where so many people are confused because they either their their whole body is bent or they're part of their head or they, it's a time of confusion when I wonder if we even realize why we offer this reverence before the reception. The reverence is, is, is offered to get the mind in tune with the body and the body in tune with the mind. It's a, it's a pause so that we can say, you know, with our bodies, I am now readying myself to receive the Lord, to receive salvation. And, you know, this is not a spiritualized event in the sense that we are disembodied creatures. What we do with our body is connected to our spirit and our spirit connected to our body. So making a, a small gesture, a bow of the head, maybe, you know, including the shoulders, uh, gives the mind a chance to recall, oh, that's right, we are now about to uh, receive the Lord. The body helps the mind recall, so we bow in reverence, subjectively. Objectively, we're bowing because it's God. So there's two meanings, the subjective and the objective. We're bowing because it's God. We've received Christ in the Eucharist, and we go back to a place where we've been seated, and we kneel down, and that is a profound moment of encounter, isn't it? Now, I would say that subjectively, this is the pinnacle of the Mass. This is the pinnacle of the Mass. We are all together in the Church, and ideally, and this is controversial, but ideally this is when there should be the silence. I know there's comments now that we should sing our way through this period mm -hmm. as a sign of our unity. Well, again, I think that's a bit subjective. Silence is, is something we share in common, too. I agree. We don't just share music in, uh, music in common. So, you know, that would be a pastoral judgment on the, on the priest's part, I guess. But I think my own preference would be the, the music that uh, brings us forward in the procession at this point would have, would have waned. And now we are all just together sharing him 
in silence. And there's something very powerful about being silent in a big throng of people. There's a profound unity there. Uh, a crowd doesn't always mean noise. A lot of people doesn't, doesn't mean we have to be doing something vocally. We are all in the same place now. Heaven has come to earth and we are doing our best not to be an obstacle to that coming. And so we are just silently receiving our salvation. In the early part of the Mass, there's a section of the Mass called the Epiclesis where the priest puts his hands over the elements of the bread and the wine. Silence. The hands go over the elements in silence. But there is incredible fertility, incredible fecundity at that point. The Spirit is moving upon the elements to render them as the body and the blood of Christ. Here is another epiclesis, so to speak, where even though there is silence, there's a lot going on, like a seed in the ground before spring. There's a lot happening. As I've recalled many times in different forms and perhaps in this form as well, this is my big plea to the presider. Let the silence envelop your people. Don't be looking at your watch at this point. Let us be with our own salvation. If we don't know what to do, catechize us. If we seem restless, you probably haven't catechized us. We don't know what to do in silence. Teach us what to do in silence. Don't rush us through the silence, or you may be rushing us through our personal appropriation of salvation. If you need more time because of the parking lot or some pragmatical reason like that, there are other parts of the Mass that perhaps we could um, shorten. Look around your Mass and see. Why sacrifice silence when it could be the only silence that our people hear all week? The world is filled with sound. Let the Lord come in his epiclesis. Let him hover over your people. Help them receive that presence by catechizing them in silence. What does it mean to receive God? This is like the Annunciation of Mary. This is like the silence before a kiss between a husband and a wife. You don't want to move it along for pragmatic reasons. You want to make sure the union, you want to make sure the life is taking root in the heart. So here I think subjectively is the apex of the Mass. He's in us. Receive him. Let him change you. Because soon, in the concluding rite, we are all going to be sent. He has to change us so that we can change the culture. He has to change us from within so we can be courageous enough to speak his name in culture. If we do not have a real experience of encounter with the Lord, when the deacon says the Mass is over, go in peace, we will simply leave the same way we came in as students of the popular American culture. We now are to be students of the Word of God, allowing the Word to continually teach us because the Word now lives in us. 
The Mass has ended. Go in peace. Go, be a layperson. Fill the secular world with the gospel that riveted your attention, with the homily that catechized and instructed you, with your own being taken up into the wonder of Christ's gift upon the cross and the resurrection, and in your own subjective appropriation of these mysteries in the silence of the communion period. Now go, be a layperson, transform the secular world, go away from the church building, go away from ecclesial things, and bring the Lord to the desert of the day. Bring the Lord to the world. And of course the Lord will call you back to himself next Sunday. But then he will just as surely send you out again on Monday. And soon the day is coming when the church will have to get exceptionally serious about the lay vocation. We exactly know how to form intra-ecclesial ministers. The day is coming where we must get extremely serious about forming laity to transform culture. And the power of that transformation is in the Mass. But the consciousness of that transformation has to be in the minds of the lay persons themselves and their own dignity. Just as the priest sometimes forgets his dignity and wants to reduce his office to that of a CEO rather than a father, the lay person wants to reduce their relationship with Christ to a casual, a casual meeting on Sunday morning which has no relevance to the capitalistic desires of Monday through Friday. The worst error of the modern time is the separation between faith and everyday life. The Lord wants to heal that error, and the Church has to form lay people to fulfill their lay dignity and change the culture for Christ. This is what flows from the Mass. We'll return in just a moment to The Way of Mystery with Deacon James Keating. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. Litany of Humility O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, 
Deliver me, Jesus, from the fear of being despised. Deliver me, Jesus, from the fear of suffering rebukes. Deliver me, Jesus, from the fear of being calumniated. Deliver me, Jesus, from the fear of being forgotten. Deliver me, Jesus, from the fear of being ridiculed. Deliver me, Jesus, from the fear of being wronged. Deliver me, Jesus, from the fear of being suspected. Deliver me, Jesus, that others may be loved more than I, that others may be esteemed more than I, that in the opinion of the world others may increase and I may decrease, that others may be chosen and I set aside, that others may be praised and I unnoticed, that others may be preferred to me in everything, that others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to The Way of Mystery with Deacon James Keating. How can we believe we're a Eucharistic people if we don't believe in that power of transformation? It starts from transforming bread into wine, but it also it ends with us being transformed into people who can look at ourselves in truth and see where we've had the divide with God, where we can see that my actions, whether it is someone who speaks badly about a coworker, or worse, I, I deny church teaching on life and moral authority. I, the Eucharist has that power to transform us. It won't take effect unless we are open to it. So much of the impotence of the Mass revolves around our sliding into fear or sliding back into fear. One of the things we want to do at the Mass is to bring our fears to the Mass. And sometimes these fears can be healed right at the Mass. Other times the fears will be healed by prolonged catechesis. Sometimes people are afraid to speak up or to witness to Jesus in the secular world because they they feel they're inadequate or they're ignorant. Well, they probably are. Because they have given themselves over to three hours of television a night or They've given themselves over to other forms of entertainment rather than giving themselves over to know Jesus and to know the truth that flows from Jesus, which can be rendered in an intellectual fashion. We can speak about what we know about Jesus, but we have to study the Lord. Study is just a form of knowledge of who he is. 
And if we love him, we will want to know him. And the fear will dissipate. We, we are only afraid if we feel inadequate. There are other levels of fear as well. We might be afraid because, well, I know what I'm supposed to say because I know the Lord. But in this situation, I will speak out and it will cost me. And in speaking out and having it cost me, I'm not so sure I want to go through that. And so fear wins in that contest as well. That contest can be won a lot if we have authentic Catholic community, if the community really backs us up when we witness to Jesus. If we witness to Jesus and know that there are people backing me up, not people who are going to go against me. Why did you speak against abortion in public? You know it's okay to dissent. Why are you still promoting marriage until death? You know that marriage and divorce is acceptable today. How hard it is to speak for the Catholic truths when our own Catholic people laugh at us, when they dissent, when they say that we're wrong or they fudge the doctrine in a way that serves their own ends. It's very hard to overcome fear if we think we're standing up alone. So the Lord wants to heal the fear. And the thing that stops the fear, excuse me, the thing that stops us transforming culture and realizing that the Eucharist has power, is that we don't give this fear over to him. And we don't form authentic Catholic community. And we let the fear uh, define us. See, after all of our meditation on the Mass, it's the Lord that's supposed to define us. And we still wrestle with allowing our fears to define us. We are sent to love, to love and serve the Lord. There will be times during that week when we will feel vulnerable once again, that we won't be able to live up to the commitment that we make, even if in our hearts we're enthusiastic as we leave that Mass. It's important to return to Him in all the avenues that He's provided for us in the Church, whether it's the Sacrament of Reconciliation or even just in Eucharistic adoration. Isn't that important for people to seek out? Yes, our daily Mass as, as well. I mean, the, daily, the experience of daily Mass is such a gift to the Church. We have no idea how generous that is, that in our culture we're still experiencing the possibility of daily Mass in many of our parishes, maybe not all of them, but many of them. To take advantage of that gift as it, as it, is, as it is lasting. Who knows, the day may come when there will be no daily Mass. It could come to a time where there's monthly Mass. Some cultures experience that already. While we have the time, we may want to at least go to Mass a couple times a week. This is how the transformation truly is solidified within our heart. Can you imagine being married to someone and you only see them once a week for 45 minutes? Now, some couples will probably laugh and say, oh, that would be a blessing. <laughs> but not really. We know that that would not be a blessing to see your spouse whom you love for 45 minutes a week. In fact, I know that used to be a sociological number that was passed around the culture that said we only speak to our spouse on average of you know seven to 10 minutes a week, which is really amazing. Those whom we love, we want to spend more time with. And if we only spend seven or 10 minutes with our spouse, if we really love that spouse, you know in your heart you want to spend more time. And not just time, Time is only present to us so that we can have communion. It's not, well, I want to spend more time with you. 
I want you. I want you. That's all we're saying. Now the Mass is given to us so that we can have Christ. Look around your schedule and see if you can attend a daily Mass. Eucharistic adoration is another way. It is the extension of the Mass in time. Those parishes that have a frequent Eucharistic adoration, uh, we should frequent. Now many churches are still left open during the day for us to make a visit. That's Eucharistic adoration. It doesn't have to be accompanied by exposition. As long as the church is open and the tabernacle is present with the real presence, we go in for a moment, we are engaged in Eucharistic adoration. Is there ever a time when you can make a visit to the church during the week? Or maybe a couple times. This solidifies the transformation of the Mass as well. Any of our prayers that we say at home as a family or alone if we live alone, this solidifies the transformation of the Mass. And each commitment that we make to serve another, however slight it is, we've learned obviously from St. Therese of Lazur and other saints that it doesn't matter the gravity of what you're doing, the importance. It matters that you turn your mind and your heart to the one in need, no matter how slight the need. Or even if you offer up a sacrifice for another, you want to take dessert and you say, no, my mother's going through some time now and she's struggling with her faith. I'll, I'll just leave that cake aside and, and offer that slight little pain of self-denial as a prayer for her. That's an act of love for the poor. That's a continuation of the transformation of the Mass. That's deepening the mystery of the Mass in you. Whether you go and feed the, the hungry or build houses for the poor or clothe the naked or all of these activities of service toward the other deepen the transformation of the Mass in us. So go to Eucharistic Adoration. Say prayers at home. Turn your mind to the needs of others and the Mass will deepen its reality in you. You've been listening to The Way of Mystery, The Eucharist and Moral Living with Deacon James Keating. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Institute for Priestly Formation. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we pray that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for The Way of Mystery, The Eucharist and Moral Living with Deacon James Keating.